0: Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara?
1: Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fiorelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. And his current stand-up special is called It's Scary in Here. It's available for you free on YouTube. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere.
0: Sounds like it could be funny.
1: Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back.
0: I am so glad that you guys are with us because it's showtime. We got a great show for you again this week. My guest in the ADD interview is actor, former Seattle Seahawks cheerleader, and roommate with a serial killer. <laughs> Her name is Robin Knoll what oh yeah oh yeah you're gonna love this and we want to welcome everyone from our talk to me tuesday family that's our conversation we have every week nine o'clock eastern 6 p.m pacific go to my website click the link join our conversation and our superfan shout out is for shiloh say hi to shiloh everybody
2: hey shiloh
0: shiloh how you doing shiloh phil says hello he is still adrift
2: oh my god
0: (laughs) and it's taking a lot out of him and really? Mark is coming to us uh, on location. You are in a, you're in Rehoboth Beach. You're, ta- you're taping the Kornheiser show and you're in a hotel room, right? Uh, yes, I am. I am in a hotel room right off of Route 1. Excellent. And I, I, I'm guessing Tony invited you to stay at his house and you said no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know me pretty well. Yes. Yeah. yes Tony did okay. invite me. H- yeah. Here's the deal. Stern came out to L.A., uh, uh, to tape some, some podcasts with us. And I haven't seen him and I was very happy to show him around and everything. And my wife, Alex, made the house beautiful. M- Honey, you are a lovely hostess.
3: Thank you. It was lovely. It was beautiful. It really was. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Adam.
0: And you had your own bathroom. We got a whole bathroom up there. It's got a rain shower. It's got a hand, not the whole thing. It was beautiful. And t- tell them what happened. I couldn't figure out how to work the shower. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was, it was too, it was too
3: fancy for an idiot like me. Uh, so I, I can't even remember how I ended up figuring it out. I think I just used the water coming out of the big spigot at the tub and was like, all right, I'll just wash myself this way. It'll be okay.
0: Yeah. Then he tells me, me later, you know, after he's home and he's coming out again, he's like, you know, I'm just going to get a hotel room. I, I felt bad. I don't know how you work your shower. I go, why don't you tell somebody? Nah, I, uh, that that was that was that was when we, we, we put you up at the, the best western. He, he would rather stay at a Bee Wee on Santa Monica Boulevard than I gotta bribe the guy to get you in early. He <laughs> was too dense to even
3: understand that he was being greased. He was like, uh, sorry, you left some money in my hand, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, I am a terrible house guest.
2: Own. Yeah, it seems like you need your own space.
3: I, I, I operate better when I like less of me, I think, is more. <laughs> so
0: you know, as Alex said, I, I just like having my my own little zone of, of of operation. I get it. I get it. Less is more, honey. Mark's new name is Chocolate Moose. You don't need a lot.
3: <laughs> I know, but I feel terrible because I love seeing you guys. I love your house. And Alex, you did a great. Decor- I mean, the place looked amazing. And that bedroom, one of the most comfortable beds I have ever slept in. I just like I- I'm in a place for, I don't know, one night. And then I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. They're getting sick of me. Like, I always want to leave just ahead of people saying, we want you to leave. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it, it does. When you stay over someone's house, you have the feeling that you always have to be on. Yes. Really relax and show them your relaxing side, your truly relaxing side. Right. Yeah. And, and
3: it's not like I, I want to walk around like my hotel room or your house naked. Be, hey, man, this is just how I relax. You guys are going to have to deal with it.
2: I will tell you something. What? Phil stayed here, and I was checking in on him to see if he needed more towels, whatever. He was walking around naked. <laughs> went, oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm glad you fell at home, Phil.
0: Honey, you really can't go by Phil because he, he gets really, really comfortable with us.
2: I'm going to wash my balls. All right. That's more with you than me, Adam. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Phil, I miss you, man. I can't wait to get back.
0: I got, look, I, I get it. You know, you, 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 can't you relax. I'll be honest with you. I should have trusted my guts when I first met you. I knew there was something suspicious about you. I don't know. And you've, you've stayed with me. Like you've,
3: you've seen me up close. Like, you know, and that, that, by the way, I hope you know, that's like a great sign of friendship that I
0: have. If, if I allow you inside the moat into Castle Stern, and I feel honored. I feel honored that that you allowed me in there, and, and just as my sign of friendship to you, even after you vomited on me, I still came back.
2: <laughs> that that was more. You just wanted to be thrifty, Adam.
3: <laughs> it wasn't friendship. It was just like, how much is a hotel in DC? Okay, yeah, now I'll call Stern. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's a little vomity, but you know what? It's better than forking out to stay mm-hmm. That's West Western. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I enjoyed staying at your house, Stern. I really did, don't, honey. I was up listening at the door. God knows what he was doing in there. Because one of the cat no, one of the cats came out. He was sitting at the end of the bed, and he's like, "I don't want to tell you. You should panic. I'm just saying, I'm not going in there."
3: Can I ask you? Did you leave? With your suspicions of me allayed, like, were you like, okay, like, I, I don't think he's a weird guy, or
0: were you like? Oh, no, no, I still, <laughs> I love you from a distance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. I'm a very
3: lovable, I mean, I'm in a long distance relationship right now. I'm great at that. All of a sudden you get my same zip code. Mm-hmm. I become a lot less attractive and a lot of stuff about me that is
0: unappealing. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Honey, you realize he's the only one that has ever seen this woman. You know that, <laughs> <right>? Gabrielle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
3: My fake Canadian girlfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but I do worry about that. Like I worry, you know, I don't know. I, I, I know it's become sort of, it's not debilitating, but I understand it, and, and it makes me look very suspicious, you know. Well, when a great I, friend says, "Come stay the night," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. Uh, is, is there a hotel anywhere nearby?" Yeah,
2: I just um, tend to go with Mark has a great heart, and he hasn't killed anyone, as far as I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he's got a great heart, and he's he's also got someone else's heart in his freezer. So <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs>
2: I've never proven in court. Mm-hmm. goodness
0: and and here's the thing about when you think you know somebody and this connects to the interview i had uh w- with robin i i always trust my guts and i don't like most people and my my wife even says she goes, you have to have you have to trust i go mm, not these friggin people <laughs> not not on this planet nope most i don't people- like it we'll, we'll be watching a movie we'll be sitting there watching a movie and some guy will come on screen i go i don't like him Nine times out of 10, that's the killer.
2: <laughs> Most people go into a relationship about friendship, whatever it is, with the heart open, and then they see, mm, should I keep it open? Should I close it? Adam goes in with a closed, <laughs> and then he says, should I open it?
0: Absolutely. You got. <laughs> hey, you know what? You got to earn it. I ain't <laughs> trusting you. I had someone I love very much who I know loves me throw up on me, I, but I don't even know you. I feel bad about that one. You you should. Yeah. It was traumatized.
2: Hey, when you can wipe each other's throw ups, that's a friendship. That's that true. is,
3: that is a great friend. That is, yes. yes. But you're right. You should probably always always trust your gut. That's what I call a New Yorker. That's Thank someone you. Who's immediately suspicious? It's just like, all right. Let me see how this plays out before I fully allow you into my world.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're down. Please tell Tony we said low. I will. All right. Yeah, yeah and you are a very dear friend for me. You're a sketchy house guest, okay? (laughs) But as of now, there is no proof that you have any homicidal tendencies. (laughs) No proof. Uh, Robin Noel lived in a house with a roommate that turned out to be a serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. This was the most creepy and fascinating conversation I've had on this show. So I want you guys to listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. Majority of people don't trust their gut feelings. We usually trust our brains and believe what our brain tells us to believe. But
3: a study from the University of California shows that people only recognize lies 43% of the time and truths 48% of the time when trusting their brains.
0: When trusting their guts, the accuracy rate was way higher. He's got a great heart and he's also got someone else's heart in his freezer, so. <laughs>
1: You are listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you will never get back. Liar! It's closer to an hour!
0: I have got some stand-up dates for you, my friends. July 22nd and 23rd, I am going back to Uncle Vinny's in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And one night only, July 13th, I will be at the Pottawanamai Casino in Milwaukee. Uh, There's a link to tickets right here in the show notes. Uh, We also have a link for our t-shirts, a link for my YouTube special. And as always, if you can make any of these gigs, you come up after the show, let me shake your hand and say thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this Podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy.
3: ADHD, it's not just for kids.
0: Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh. My guest this week is an actor, former Seattle Seahawks cheerleader, military kid. She got a law passed to save Orca Wales when she was a child and was roommates with a serial killer. So grateful she's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Robin Knoll. How are you?
1: Oh, hey, Adam. Good. How are you
0: doing? I'm good. It's nice to meet you. I just want to let the audience know that this is the first time we're meeting, but I heard your story through a mutual friend of ours, and I said, I have to speak to this lady. So I appreciate you taking the time.
1: You said, this is crazy.
0: Yes, it was nuts. I
1: got to talk to this person. She must be bananas.
0: <laughs> or very, very lucky. Um, <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. You were born in Spain. You were a military kid, yes?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was born in Spain. Uh, we only lived there until I was just almost four. We mm-hmm. moved to the state when I was almost four. Uh, right. But my parents are, I mean, my parents are born here. My dad's Puerto Rican. My mom's mm-hmm. Irish. Mm-hmm. They are born and raised in New York. Uh, but he was military, so I happened to be born in Spain. Then we moved around a lot right. until, like, first grade. I lived in three different states, three different schools in one mm-hmm. school year. Yeah, so we moved a lot.
0: Okay, and then you grew, up, uh, you grew up on an island by Seattle. Is that where you spent most of your childhood?
1: Yeah. Most of my childhood, I lived on Whidbey Island, Mm -hmm. which is about three hours north of Seattle. And it was, you don't realize what you have until until you realize that not everybody's growing up on an island like that. You know, it's just absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And like, you leave your house in the morning and you just play all day out in the fields and by the ocean. And then the only rule is once you see it start getting dark, you have to be home. But yeah, and my mom used to, um, she would drive us to one side of the island before mm. school would start and I would stand on this pier and watch Orca Wells and then she would zoom us back to the other side of the island to get us to school on time and, and I really just thought that was just normal. That's what kids do in the morning before they go to school. Like I okay, didn't no. know that not everybody was doing that. No. You know? Here's,
0: where, here's the way I went to school. All I heard was my mother's voice coming from the bedroom.
1: Get up! The bus is here!
0: <laughs> You're gonna be... I'm not driving you! Okay. That's...
1: <laughs> You're walking.
0: Yeah. So that, that must have been, is that, and that's how you got into saving, because you uh, you were 10 years old.
1: Yeah, actually, um, when I was 10 years old, uh, when my mom was, you know, bringing me over there in the mornings before school, I, you know, every kid, you fall in love with a specific animal in a batch, and you name mm-hmm. them, and, you know, and there was one particular uh, mama and baby orca whale that I had become very attached to that I would go to see in the mornings. Mm -hmm. And then one morning we came to the cove and, uh, gosh, I'm all these years later, this makes my eyes tear up. Like it was just so impactful and sad, but we got to the cove and I was standing on the dock looking for my mama and baby. We looked over to the right and there was a bunch of dead orca whales on the beach Mm. And that included the mama and baby, you know, that I was so attached to that I would come visit in the mornings. And what had happened was SeaWorld, Miami Sea Aquarium, um, Marineland, a lot of different marine parks Mm -hmm. had come to the cove to try to catch their next Shamu. And so um, back then, what happened a lot, there weren't any laws in Washington Mm -hmm. State about this. And so they could just catch they could just keep putting whales in nets and there was no limit on how many would die in order Mm. to get one out, to get one Shamu, you know, they're all named Shamu. And um, so this one had been one of the ones, they had captured the baby uh, because they wanted the babies so they could train them and keep them a long time. And, and um, the Marine parks had captured the baby and the baby died because it still needed its mother's milk. And after two days of being in the net, it died, and the mother died trying mm-hmm. to get into the net to save the baby. But um, it, I was standing there on the dock, and I was looking at this mama and baby over there on the, on the shore, not alive anymore. And I was crying, of course, as a 10-year-old. And my mom looked at me, and she said, if you feel so strongly about this, then you need to do something. And I was like, well, what the heck am I going to do? I'm 10 years old, you know? Right. She said, if you want to write the letters, I'll give you the addresses. And so she gave me addresses and I wrote letters to the different um, representatives of Washington State, including the governor who was Warren Magnuson at the time. This was in the 70s. And um, then I got my school to write, my class to write, the next grade to write. My teacher was awesome. She put aside class time so we could write letters about these orca wells. And um, yeah, one morning before school, the phone rang and my mom was like, it's for you. And she puts her hand over the phone and she's like it's governor Magnuson. And I was like, really, you know, and got on the phone and, and he was great. And he was like, you know, this Robin, I have your letter in front of me here. In fact, I have a pile of letters on my desk and I'm told that this whole letter piling campaign was started by a 10 year old girl. is that you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. And long story short, we, you know, we talked and he, uh, I learned a lot from that because he didn't treat me like a, just a kid who knows nothing. He gave it value. He respected what this child had to say. And he said, what do you think we should do? And Mm. he allowed a conversation to happen between this, you know, fourth grade girl and him. And um, what happened is a law was passed. And the next year when the orca whales came to the cove, all those Marine parks came again, but now there was a law. You can't just keep trying and trying and trying and kill however many, who happened to kill? So they started that law because of all these children mm-hmm. writing letters. We did poster campaigns all over this town, and but um, I was just amazed at my own daughter because one of the whales that was captured from our cove um, is still in Miami Seaquarium. Her name is Lolita. Her real name is Tokitai,
2: right. but her
1: name is Lolita at Miami Seaquarium, and she's been in there over fifty years. She was captured oh. from our cove. Uh, she's in the smallest tank in the world. It's actually an illegal tank. And my daughter started a campaign at the same age, at the age of 10. So it was really kind of full circle for me. You know, she started petitions and we'd fly her to Florida and she'd be on the news in Florida, up in Seattle. She was actually up, up in Seattle on the news, um, just trying to uh, get a campaign going to have this orca well not released out in the wild to try to survive on its own, on its own but in a sanctuary that they are building up in Washington State. They're building a sanctuary uh, for this particular orca whale, Lolita.
0: That's great to see you, you, your mother empowered you as a kid, and then you passed that on to your, to your own children, and now they're, you're empowering them, and they're actually taking action to make the world a better place. I just think that's great. I mean, I got emotionally connected to an animal when I was a kid, too. Its name was Maker's Hanover. It won me a lot of money at Roosevelt Raceway, and it never finished first again, but I had a deep love for him because I, I hit a triple that day. <laughs> you're obviously a person that wants to make the world a better place, and uh, bravo, bravo. But- there are creeps in this world. And you ended up sharing a house with a serial killer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, he moved in. I had just started with the Seahawks.
0: How many, how many people in the house?
1: Uh, five. Well, there were five of us until we mm-hmm. added Steve. That's him.
0: And St- Steve is the killer. So there's five of you in the house. There's an extra yeah. room. Listen, we need an extra room. Let's put an ad in the yeah. paper or something. And this, this guy yeah. showed up.
1: Exactly. So we had this extra room. It was a pretty big house, two-story house, and we were all 20-somethingers, and one girl there was a paralegal. One girl was coaching gymnastics with me. Another guy, I mean, it was, you know, people, everybody was working, working their jobs and mm-hmm. really, a really nice, level-headed roommates. When this came out in the newspapers, when this all first happened, you would have thought this was a house of, like, 20-somethingers that were just idiots to right. let this guy come stay in this house. But yeah, I I'm, sure he, didn't, I'm sure he him.
0: didn't show up for the interview wearing a hockey mask, you
1: know? That's it. That's it. <laughs> if you would have known him. Like, I always say, if I were to come across someone like Steve again, to avoid someone like him, I mm. would have to decide I'm never making any new friends. I'm not letting anybody new in my life. I'm only sticking with the friends I've known since I was 12. That would be the only way for me personally to avoid someone like him. Knowing everything that I know now, and he's definitely a sociopath. He's a diagnosed sociopath. If I were to come across someone like him again today, I would not know it. He was okay. amazing.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what the serial killers have. So his, his name was Steve?
1: Well, his name, we knew him as Steve Ladner. Mm-hmm. But his real name we learned after he started, you know, when we learned he was an axe murderer. Uh, his real name was Socrates Ladner. Socrates, Latina? Guilty, right there. That's a that's a killer. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) Totally. I bet he kills
0: people with poison too.
1: (laughs) Totally. Like no wonder he had to change his name. Like that's a suspicious name. (laughs)
0: Okay, so he shows up. I'm sure that you all talk to him, right? Yep. And you're all. Well, we interviewed
1: 28 people. Right. We interviewed 28 people for that room that was vacant in our house, and all five of us unanimously chose him. We Hmm. loved him. He had the best personality. So, and he
0: was like, he was like your age?
1: Yeah. Well, we thought he was our age, but he was older than us.
0: Oh, he's he's, he's that creepy old guy hanging days. around kids. Yeah, he's that you know who he is? He's the prom date of the hot girl at school in high school. You know, it's like there's always the hot girl shows up at the prom and it's some guy with a beard going, Hi, my name's my name's Steve. I'm I'm an auto mechanic. You know, we're twelfth Yeah. That's him.
1: He was just so like, he was so well mannered and he was Mm -hmm. very gentlemanly, but not so much that it was just sickening or anything. And, and he was so kind and giving, he'd get up sometimes in the morning, make breakfast for all the roommates and he would do these really nice gestures, but he wasn't so nice that you wondered like, what does he want? He was Ah. just so great and very intelligent and very well-spoken. His vocabulary was amazing and he was very pleasant and he could hold a conversation with every type of person.
0: So, okay. So he gained your trust. That's what they, he gained your trust. And, and, and then he wormed, did he worm his way into your life or was he just like coming and going, doing his own thing?
1: No, he, um, he's someone who with his line of work that he does, when he kills people, he, for him, part of it is this game. He does not hurt people that he doesn't know. He goes after people that he has won their trust. And that's part of the challenge for him from, from what I've concluded in watching um, his whole story after we knew this. But he um, he came in and instantly, like we all hit it off with him right off. And he definitely won us over right away. He won over our friends. I wanted to fix him up with my best friend, Heidi. Oh. Um, my mom, I know, I know. My mom, when she met him, the day she came to our house and met him, she left and she goes, I love your new roommate. He's going to be such a good influence on you kids. And we oh. were just like, later we just, I mean, that was always a big joke for years, you know, but. Um,
0: I'm so glad you didn't take him to see the whales.
1: Me too, <laughs> me too. So he, um, yeah, like we, we would include including with our friends in our circle and parties he we went to. He came to the hospital with us when my nephew was born because he mm. was so excited about it and wanted to be involved in all that. He uh, came to one of the Seahawks games with my boyfriend. Uh, we did a lot of stuff with him. We would go on little day trips with him. Um, he so was he, really fun to be around.
0: So he worms his way into your life. Did he, did he ever attack one of the people in the house?
1: Uh, no, he did not attack. He only goes after you if you catch him. So really what happened with us is we did all this stuff with Steve. And what he usually does is what we've learned. He stays everybody that he has um, kind of infiltrated that he's Mm -hmm. done this thing where he wins their heart and then figures out a way to damage them. um, He's done it all over the United States, but he's always about four weeks. He stays about four weeks. He's a, a roommate always. Uh, It's not just strangers. He lives with them, wins them over, and then messes them over. And he uh, really spent a lot of time with us for about three weeks. We didn't know that at the beginning of the fourth week is when he started doing things like um, getting money out of our bank accounts. Um, How do you do that? Yeah, like he writes checks. He would take checks from the back of your checkbook, which nowadays people aren't using checks that much, but then everybody was using checks. And Mm -hmm. he takes it from the back of your checkbook so you don't notice the numbers are off on the top, so you don't notice that anything's wrong. And he starts out on a Monday, and he leaves in the middle of the night on a Friday, and he robs you and takes everything, clears out your bank account, clears out your house, everything. Uh, For me, it was very personal because he took all of my diaries, my diaries from third grade on. He took them all with him, which was creepy. But um, he took a lot of my belongings because a lot of my stuff was stored in the garage at this house. And it was easy for him to get to that. But what he does is he plans a party uh, for the night he knows he's leaving and the roommates don't know he's leaving. And for us, he had planned this big, huge Halloween party after we spent all this time with him. And really, he spent so much time with my uh, my ex-boyfriend, Jeff, really befriending him because Jeff was between jobs and he's like, I will help you get a, get a job. I'm really proficient with resumes, which he was. He Mm -hmm. helped Jeff create this amazing resume that was so detailed and beautiful. And Steve was really particular about the kind of paper you have it printed on. So it stands out in a pile and and it, and it was a very good resume, but um, I'll jump forward to the other part. But that the reason he was spending so much time with Jeff is he was getting to know Jeff inside and out, getting to know Jeff's resume inside and out, getting to know Jeff's work history inside and out because he became Jeff his next alias when he robbed us and left us and went to, uh, actually the next guy that he killed, um, he became Jeff. So, and he was good at being Jeff because he spent night and day with Jeff, helping him on this job hunt and this resume building and all of that. So he, he knew how to be Jeff. Um, but, um, what happened is he plans this party and, gets everybody on board and we were all really excited about it. And there were literally almost 200 people coming to this party at our, at our house. Mm -hmm. And we'd invited all of our individual friends, all five of us. And it was for Halloween night. And what he does all over the place and did to us is the night before the party, the party Saturday night, he leaves in the middle of the night, Friday night. And for the party gets you to rent all kinds of sound equipment Film. Uh now it would be much more quality, but back then it wasn't like now where everybody has a video recorder on their phone. You had to go and rent mm. a little camcorder if you wanted to record things. So he's like, why don't we record the party? Why don't we film it and turn it into a, a fun little clip we can have later? What so one friend is going and getting the video camera rented. You're getting all this stuff because he wants it. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff he wants to steal. So you're gonna have all this technology in your house for this party that Steve gets to have. Right. Um, so he plans this big party and it's not even about the stuff because like for us, all the things that he took from our house were valuable to us, but those weren't the things I don't think that mattered to him the most. It's the, it's the thrill and really the excitement of, of, uh, yeah,
0: to, the, 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 yeah, to get away with and, it. It's, it's a power play. Yeah.
1: yeah. So what he does is, like, he leaves in the middle of the night. We wake up um, that mor- the morning of the party. I wake up. My boyfriend had been out there, runs upstairs. He's not, hey. He goes, Are the, the VCRs. That was when we had VCRs. He's like, the VCR is missing from the living room. I think someone took the VCR. What Steve had done was everything he stole was not visible to the eye real easily. Mm-hmm. One of the roommates had already left for work, didn't notice anything. Uh, We do think we were drugged uh, that Friday night. We think he put something in our um, drinks or something because everybody slept through what he did. So so he just
0: robbed you. He didn't. How did you find out he was a killer? He didn't kill anybody in your house, but he was just in our house.
1: He didn't. We well, we almost caught him in our house because we told we kept telling the detectives he was now Jeff. We mm. told the detectives, hey, we learned he had stolen a car from Kansas, from these people that he robbed there, these roommates that he did this there. And we we were telling the detectives over and over, well, we, he likes this restaurant. We think he'll go to this restaurant. We likes, he wants a Toyota Black Cressida. So if he's going to steal another car, that's what he's going to steal. Unfortunately, the detectives really didn't act much on it. And they felt horrible about it later because they didn't realize he was someone who kills people. Mm. But um, he stole a Toyota a uh, charcoal gray, Toyota Cressida, the exact car we said he'd steal. He stole mm-hmm. it from this dealership and rented as Jeff Nicholson. He was pretending to be Jeff. But um, he wants um, he wants to be talked about. So he knew we were going to have this room full, this big house full of 200 people. We couldn't stop the party mm-hmm. in just these hours. He knew they were coming. And they all came. And what was the topic of discussion for the party? Yeah. Him. Some people are just like, hey, where's your new roommate, Steve?
0: Other people are like... He's not Steve. He's really Socrates, but now he's Jeff. I know. If it. he touches one of those orcas, I'll kill this son of a bitch.
1: I know how you, it.
0: How did you find out he was a killer?
1: So what happened is the next, uh, the next roommate that he had in Oregon, mm-hmm. um, he had a history this is how we found out otherwise we wouldn't have been connected to it we wouldn't have they wouldn't have notified us he had a history of working at pizza huts right all across the nation and he knew pizza hut inside and out he knew their management style he had stolen lots of money from pizza huts he had been in jail before uh gotten out he escaped to prison in florida from what i'm told before he came to us (laughs) um so what happened is my boyfriend was kind of crazy about this focus on it because here this guy was now being him he sure. goes down to oregon with a flyer and he goes to all of the pizza huts in northern oregon and gives him this flyer and he says hey, if this guy comes in here and applies for a job just hire him call this number Here's the case number with the Seattle Police Department. Here's another photo of him. You can see he grows facial hair very quickly, so his appearance changes very quickly in just a week. He's giving them all this information. Every Pizza Hut in Northern Oregon that he he handed these to, these managers were awesome. They were like, okay, we'll keep an eye open for him. Mm -hmm. Except one Pizza Hut Jeff didn't personally go to because this one manager said, well, I manage the, the other Pizza Hut too, so I'll just give this to my assistant manager over there. So that Pizza Hut was covered. Jump forward. Um, We get a call and I come home. One of our roommates is on the couch, like white, her face. I've never, like you always hear that term, someone's white as a ghost. And now Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, holy smokes, that really happens to people. Like she was white. And she said, hey, I have some good news and some bad news. And she said, uh, they found Steve and a lot of our stuff and uh we're like great she said that's the good news and she said the bad news is he killed his roommate and we were just like wait see we still felt like we knew him this was only like two months later and we felt like we knew him although we knew now obviously we thought he was a thief period which is terrible but we didn't know that he would kill anybody and we had been really close to catching him on three different occasions, so we're super, super grateful that we didn't catch him. Because this roommate that he killed, he it was because he caught him in the act. Right. And right. what happened is, um, this guy, uh, the detectives contacted us because in Steve's belongings they found some of our checks mm-hmm. and some of our belongings that had our phone number on it. So this detective just called from Oregon, like, are the are you do you know a guy named Socrates Ladner? We're like, you mean Steve? You know, but so they started filling us in. And this, the, the whole big thing that happened with that guy is he was Steve's roommate in Oregon. And he uh, his name was Dan. Um, what was his name? I have to think about it for a second. Uh, he was only 22, I think. He was the only child of this mm-hmm. family, too. But he uh, was roommates with Steve. And what happened is... Steve went and got a job at a Pizza Hut in Oregon.
0: Let me guess which Pizza Hut.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was the one Pizza Hut that Jeff did not personally deliver the flyer to of all the Pizza Huts in Northern Oregon because that manager said, I'll bring it over there. Well, he never did bring it over there. And what happened is that's the one that Steve went to. That's the Pizza Hut that hired him. And he came in one day. And I guess he said, you know, I'm so sad. I'm going to have to quit. And he's so believable. You just feel for him. Mm. Um, I'm going to have to quit. The people I'm renting this house from are getting divorced and I have no place to live. Da-da-da-da. The assistant manager says, oh my gosh, you can rent a room in my place. We have space, mm. which anybody would do because yeah. you love this guy. Yeah. And so Steve got that, got that place. He lived there for not even a month. He started doing the thing, taking the checks out, taking the money out. And what happened is when the roommate found out that Steve was taking the money, because like what happened with us is our bank call. We had we have this guy on camera. Come see. Someone is writing checks for a bicycle for $200. It doesn't match your signature. And we'd go in and we're like, that's Steve. You know, what's mm-hmm. going on? But so this guy caught him before he left on Friday in the middle of the night. And he confronted him. And he, I guess from what we were told, he was just sort of like, "Hey." are you having problems? I'm your friend. If you're having money problems, you don't need to be doing crazy things like this. I'll help you. Mm. And I guess Steve cried and talked his way out of the conversation and felt very, very bad. And, um, the guy went to take a nap and he he was sleeping on a waterbed actually. And, um, the guy's girlfriend hadn't heard from him in two days. And she came over there to see her boyfriend and, had a key and went in and she went into the bedroom and the guy wasn't there but there was blood all over splattered all around the room the walls everywhere and the waterbed was chopped up mm. but her boyfriend wasn't there and um, steve was not a suspect they interviewed him they told me that he gave an academy award-winning performance they never thought he had done it or been a suspect that he was crying and crying. Who could have done this to my friend? And, um, one little part of the story didn't quite match. So at one point they had said, can you just stick around for a couple of days? We've got to match these stories. And that scared him. Yeah. And he left. And so it became a, you know, a different type of crime scene and they had found this torso near a river in Oregon in the forest huh but it didn't have the identifying parts. And apparently uh, they believe that's what he's done around the United States is he takes the hands and the, sorry, I know this is kind of gross, but he takes the hands and the feet oh. and the head uh, someplace else. So that you can't, he takes all the identifying parts of the person. So he, um, this young guy was buried there uh, by a river. And what happened is Steve had become a little bit, um, lazy in his criminal work it turns out even the alias that he was now using he wasn't using jeff's name anymore he was now using the name of a guy he actually met in prison he was using a prisoner's name and was so cocky about it now because no one was catching him and so this time he wanted to live a little bit more on the edge and so um i mean and, and he's he does get attached to the people i think he was attached to this guy in prison when he lived with us he had you wouldn't even believe this box he had of photos that he was showing me one day. And I'm like, that's my roommate in Colorado. That's my roommate in Montana.
0: These used to be my roommates. Hold on. Used to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And he also likes to like for us, once he was gone, when he leaves in the middle of the night, he doesn't want you to forget him. So he has things delivered to the house. He has magazine subscriptions start coming in his name. He has, um, Music selection things like how you know, in the old days they had like Time Life, things yeah, like Columbia, that.
0: Columbia Records Club. He, he orders all of those, that's just what you need. The guy that stole all your stuff now, you got a fruit of the month with his name on it.
1: Yes, so I you would have, find uh, him and
0: shove those bananas up his ass. That's right how now. mad I am right now, Robin. I know.
1: So, he's just got a lot of stuff he wants you thinking about him. So, you keep having all these things arriving in the mail, but they're addressed to Steve Ladner.
0: Now, how did they catch him?
1: Um, They caught him because with that roommate, um, once something didn't add up and he took off, Mm -hmm. um, they knew now he was a suspect because they're like, why did he flee? And so what happened is he got caught because he fell in love with a dog. And at this house, he had a little dog that he Mm -hmm. was super, super attached to. And there was a guy across the street that he had befriended, who was just like us, crazy in love with Steve and thought he was the most amazing guy on the planet. And that guy was watching the dog while the house had all the yellow tape, the crime tape around it and all that. He took care of the dog Mm -hmm. and Steve was gone. Nobody knew where he was. Uh, Well, we know now Steve had told the guy, they're accusing me of this thing. And I would never, you know, And the guy was really angry at law enforcement. -hmm. For thinking Steve would do anything. So he was watching the dog for Steve. What happened is one of the detectives was at the house one day and he saw that guy across the street pull up in a little truck, run in the house, come out with the dog Mm -hmm. and leave. So the detective was like, I know whose dog that is. I'm following him. So he followed that guy and the guy pulls into a 7 Eleven and sure enough, Steve is there waiting by a car and the guy hands off the dog to him. And of course the detectives, you know, they circle him and arrest him and blah, blah, blah. And the guy starts yelling at the cops. He's yelling at them, leave his friend alone. He's already been through so much. Don't you know, his best friend just got murdered. He's Mm -hmm. screaming at them while they're trying to get this trunk open. Mm -hmm. And they open the trunk of this car and there's the head, the hands, the feet. I'm
0: guessing at that point, the guy shut up.
1: I bet he did, yeah. And Steve's grandma was waiting in a little hotel nearby for Steve. He had flown her in, and mm. he was taking her to California for a trip. And she had no idea that he steals from people, kills people, she had no idea. She, was, I guess she was a really sweet little lady. She was just waiting for Steve to get his dog so they could go on a trip to California. Oh. <laughs> I know. I know. And you know, it's crazy. One time when we were out with Steve, we were out at a club with him and we were all in line and everybody was talking about how the driver's license photos are so cruddy and embarrassing and laughing at each other's pictures. And, and everybody was like, well, let's see yours. And he was so defensive, like yeah. such a weird level 10 now looking back and he wouldn't let us see his driver's license, which of course is because it had the name Socrates on it and the, a different birth date and all of that. But that same night was very close to the, the night that he left our house But um, in his car, we were in his car going to that club, and one of the roommates was trying to get something out of his uh, glove compartment. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, very oddly yelling, not happy about that. And the roommate was like, whatever,
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's a hand in the glove that's in the Yeah, improm- who knows what's in there? Yeah.
1: And so, but the back of his car had those kind of seats that you pull it down and it leads into the truck. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the roommates said, oh, you got to see this to our other roommate. You got to see this. These seats, because not a lot of cars had those back then. This was in, what, 19, this was almost 1990. Mm-hmm. But um, so he goes to pull down the, the seat of the car He goes to pull it down, and Steve turns around. I was sitting there like, oh, my gosh. Mm. He turns around from the driver's seat because he was always very calm, very zen, Mm. very peaceful, and very not anxious at all. Right. And he turned around, and he yells at Jeff, and he goes, don't open that. Mm. And we were all like, gosh, what the heck? And Jeff, one of the roommates, Jeff says, what the heck, Steve? He goes, don't have a cow, man. This is like, you mm. know, what's wrong with you? And then he, he just pulled himself down, pulled himself together. And he goes, I have a lot of trash in there. I'm making a dump run, which mm. was weird anyways, because he lived in this house with us with adequate trash. <laughs> I don't know. But so he said, I, I've got a lot of trash in there. And then he got it, pulled himself together and he said, I don't want it to stink up my car. It'll just stink up my car, you know? So of course, later on, after we find out the other roommate's body parts are in the trunk of his car, you know, your mind just goes, what the sure. heck is in there? Like, what was in the trunk of his car yeah, that would that's, make it guy- die? That's
0: the insidious thing. It makes you not trust your instincts. And right. that's, that's the psychological game yeah. that, that, that's just terrifying. Because, you know, you have an open heart, and this guy is just, you know, you can't trust yourself anymore. And yeah. I, don't know you, how, I, I don't know like, how I people get it. off on that, but that's I pretty know. much but he was, di- he was, he was uh, analyzed by the same guy that analyzed Bundy, right?
1: Yeah. Well, once he was in prison, um, I remember uh, the first time a detective came to our house, you know, where they show you all the mugshots because they just have to be sure that we're talking about the same guy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, each roommate, you know, please point, of these six mugshots, please, please point to the man who robbed your house, and da, da, da. And we would all show him. And, they, and he was telling us, he said, look, I got to tell you. And he said, uh, this guy is vicious. And it does appear he's done this all over the United States. He said, "But I'm telling you," he said, "he's going to be out in six to ten years. Don't be surprised." And he said he is already every prison guard's every every prison guard's favorite prisoner. Mm-hmm. And he said he's the guy that everybody wants to play backgammon with. And all of us roommates were like, "We know, we know." Mm-hmm. And then he said um, that there was this uh, psychotherapist there working on Steve and she had worked on Ted Bundy for two years. She was assigned to Ted Bundy and he said that uh, she had just told him that in all her years of doing this, Steve was the closest thing she had ever found to Ted um, because he was just so charismatic and smart and um, just not the person you think Mm. would do anything. I mean, even when we were looking for him and we got really close to finding him twice Someone would say, one of the roommates would say, oh, my gosh, the waitress said he just left this restaurant. We just missed him. And we would be like, oh, we almost caught him. And, and one of the roommates would say, well, what if he has a gun or something? And, and, a, and a different roommate would say, Steve wouldn't have a gun. No, you he's, got, a, you know he's got an ax. Yeah, exactly. You think you know him. And he also gets a trip out of, like, at one point, my little brother, I had taken him over to this mall. And when we got home, he was chewing gum. Right. And I was like, Victor... Where'd you get the gum? And he's like, um, I said, where'd you get gum? Do you have a pack of gum? Because I knew he didn't have any gum and I knew he didn't have any money. Anyway, so Victor is embarrassed, all red and tells me he took it from the little dime store kind of place at, at this mall. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with my little brother? Probably should make him return this. And Steve comes upstairs. Right. What's going on? before we knew he was a crazy guy. And I said, oh, I said, I don't know what to do. So I'm confiding in Steve to get advice. Yeah. And I said, what do you think I should do? And I said, he admitted to me he did steal this gum. He stole a pack of gum. So I'm telling a thief ex-murderer about my little brother stealing a pack of gum. <laughs> but, but I'm telling Steve, you know, hey, I don't know what to do with this. Like, should I make him go return it? And Steve is like, oh, yeah, because you don't know what that turns into. And Steve says, (laughs) look at me. I'm killing people with an ax. (laughs) I know. So Steve's giving me all this advice about my brother stealing gum. And he said, if I were you, I wouldn't just take it over to the store. I would have him take the pack, go to the manager and tell the manager and make him say, I'm Victor. I stole this pack of gum from your store. Mm. I'm really sorry. And I'm returning it. And I was like, "That's the best idea, Steve." <laughs> so that's what I did. Mm. I made my brother go back and return this pack of gum.
0: Ugh. Wow! That this story is just—I I was fascinated when uh, when I heard about this story, and now it's even more—it's it's even more fascinating just to hear you tell it. I am so glad you're okay.
1: Thank I, you.
0: Glad you're saving whales. You're a very impressive person.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to talk to me, Robin. Uh, th- this, was, sure. uh, this, this was fascinating to me. My best to you and your family, and, and stay safe, okay? Thank you All right,
1: me you too. This is Robin Noel, and that was 30 Minutes I'll Never Get Back.
0: Can you believe that?
2: <laughs> Leave it to you, Adam, to find the person who was roommates with a serial killer
0: how did you how did you meet her what, we have ha- we have a mutual friend my friend my friend rock and his wife tanya came down to san diego to see me do stand up and they were telling me about their friend they told me the story i'm like i gotta talk to her and she w- she was so gracious with her time and and what the look at that kind of story i mean she trust ha- that that was the freakiest thing to me that this guy not only fooled her fooled everybody in the house ha- fooled her mother yeah you know? that's
2: that's part of it. They're charismatic. They're charming and manipulative. They're con yeah. artists.
0: Yeah. I mean, that
3: was uh, Ted Bundy. They, I mean, that the, the, the people said, Oh, he's like, as, as charism- charismatic as Ted Bundy was. That's how he got in everywhere. Everybody was like, Oh, look at this guy. He's handsome. He's charming.
2: Sure. Come on in. Yeah. Whatever you want. And yeah. that's how they do it. Do you think your gut instinct would have stopped you with this guy, Adam? I would like to think so.
0: And even, you know, even if this guy fooled my mother, once she found out, she's like, "Now I have to kill you." Okay, <laughs> bullshit me once, shame on you. Bullshit me twice, I'm gonna rip out your heart. How's that?
2: I mean, uh, we we all would hope that our gut feelings would you know come in in and tell and let us know, but it seemed like she, I mean, sh- he fooled all of them. Yeah, she wanted and to set him up with one of her friends. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's a dodge (laughs) bullet right there.
1: Yeah. Do you
2: think it's like this thing where, you know, people are polite and so they, they want to be liked by other people. So Mm. you overlook maybe something that they were feeling like a little flag went up somewhere or do you, what do you think?
0: I, you know, even in talking to Rob, I don't think a flag went up at all. I mean, she even said like he was nice, but he wasn't too nice. You know, he just knew how to work it.
2: That's scary. I think
3: there's two things. One. He, his MO seemed to be like within a month is when, like he would have a month of like hey I'm the happy friendly guy uh-huh. and then he, he would start doing all the weird creepy stuff so like a month can fly by you know where maybe stuff can fly past your radar i think all of us though our guts would have really screamed out when they were like oh look these seats go down you can go all the way to the trunk and he flips out it's like no 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 yeah. don't don't there's garbage in there whatever like I think we've all been yeah. like that's really kind of odd like yeah. I, I feel like i feel like i would i would like to think that that would have been a moment i would have been like all right something's off about this dude what's going on in the
0: trunk you know yeah, but, but if you have no reason to suspect you know it's not like mm, there's a glove with a hand on it is this yours steve you know <laughs> 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 this is yours. yeah yeah how creepy uh, was that how creepy oh. was that when he when he was the kite was yelling at the cop he was like, "Leave him alone." His friend was murdered. And He opens it up, and there's heads, hands, and feet in the trunk. I wanted to turn around to the guy. What do you got to say now, <laughs> asshole? Hmm? Right. <laughs> Want to revise your statement, sir? Yeah.
2: Definitely bet on
3: the wrong horse. Yeah. yeah. But that's like how that's how powerful this guy was to mm-hmm. get that that you know basic stranger to completely take his side. And thank God, this fellow. Thank God for the dog. Right. Thank yeah. God oh, the dog was so utterly charming that that would ultimately foil this guy, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting because what is that? Um, when we were doing the serial killers last time, that McDonald triad where the kid, a kid is if they're bedwetting, if they like to play with fire and harming animals, mm-hmm. he liked the dog. So that yeah. kind of throws that whole thing off.
3: Yeah, I didn't Pretty think of sure that. Sam, Bur- Sam Berkowitz liked his dog, didn't he? Yeah, 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 but 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 of course his dog was talking to him, so that was different. <laughs>
2: it was a little bit of a different
3: relationship. But yeah. I mean,
2: that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We've done,
3: we've had. I'm sorry. You've had some amazing interviews, Adam, and mm-hmm. I've loved all of them. And this is no disrespect to Nathan Lane or Lenny Clark or any of the other amazing people that we've talked to. I this interview could have gone for another two hours and I would have been like, tell me more. The fact that she was this close to this, this insane killer and yeah. he dodged it. Like, that's just, it's one of the wildest stories I have ever heard in my life. Just and and-
2: so much that she asked advice from him. Right, and how about the fact that the advice that the killer
3: gave yeah. her was spot on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like his moral compass for petty theft is 100% pointing north. But for murder, it's a little off.
0: Yeah, you don't know yeah. where this is going to lead. Yeah, I think you do, though. <laughs> you look like you like gum, too.
2: It, oh, getting the just, gum on
3: fire. And and the the, the I mean, he's planning all this stuff all along. So oh, yeah. when he's sidling up to her boyfriend. Great. To like, oh, you want help with your resume? Let me pump you for all kinds of personal information so <laughs> I can just steal your identity yeah. and become that's you in Portland. It
2: does. That's what a con artist does. Yeah, you
0: need some... I, I would rather have my serial killers and just, just just have an overt act like this guy is a creep. So something yeah, they yeah. do, something they say. Show me your
3: tingling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is sketchy behavior. Yes.
2: So it makes me really creeped out because, I mean, they usually say it takes about three months to know someone. Yeah. But I mean, how do you really even know?
0: No, it's just, yeah, you don't. And, and that's, that's the insidious thing is like, cause now you can't trust your instincts and that's when you're real, that's really psychological torture. And he had magazines and stuff sent to the house in his names. So they wouldn't forget him.
3: That yeah. Is- that's,
2: that's creepy.
0: Yeah. yeah, the
3: narcissism that's involved with that cuz I guess don't they say that serial killers all secretly want to be caught so that they can get credit for what their evil deeds?
0: Yeah, they want the attention. That that's what it is. It, it even even negative attention is still if you can't if you can't love me and I won't be accepted, I will not be ignored. Okay. Yeah. I like the fact that the boyfriend wouldn't take it laying down. He's like, nah, I'm going to, this guy works at Pizza Hut. I'm going to where he's going. I'm going to tell everyone. And the one friggin' Pizza Hut he didn't go to, guess what?
3: I know. Yeah. That's, that was, that really, that broke my heart, mm-hmm. you know, because again, he manipulates all the people in that, that Pizza Hut. It's like, oh, I got to move out of my place or whatever you with what the story you came up with. But then, you know, the one manager's like, oh, we, hey, let's take can room with me. It's okay. Yeah. And then even when he found that he was stealing from him, he was like, you know, apparently he was like, look, are you need money? Are you in trouble? Whatever. And the guy responds
2: by cutting his head off. You know, I mean, that's just uh. mm. yeah. Yeah. took advantage of his kindness.
0: Yeah. 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 I really you know what I wanted. I wanted this guy, Steve, to go swimming, and I wanted her to <laughs> order the whale to eat his ass. That would
2: That actually is not a bad idea, Adam.
0: I yeah. would love that. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes.
3: And that's, I mean, listen. My only experience with serial, serial killers is like Silence of the Lambs and Dexter. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's that scene in, in Silence of the Lambs where the guy he's like, he's got his arm in a fake cast, and I think Bundy would do that. That was Bundy. Yeah, they got yeah. that from the Bundy file. Yeah, and, and you get somebody's sympathy, and they don't view you as hostile or threatening, and that's how you let your guard down, and then then you know all the bad yeah. stuff happens. And then so, and, oh.
0: the, and then the next thing you know, show me your dignity. <laughs> It, I, will, I want to thank Robin Knoll she was, she was so generous with her time and her story uh, and uh, th- this is just a fascinating story for me uh, and if anyone else has had an experience like this please reach out to us honey if they want to get a hold of us where do they go?
2: The well, Adam Ferrar at Gmail
0: thank you guys so much for supporting the show tell 13 people you love about the show that'll help us out and if you can leave us a review that helps us with our friend Mr. Algorithm we are in this together brothers and sisters share the road and always remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Go in peace.
2: Bill stayed here and I was checking in on him to see if he needed more towels, whatever. He was walking around naked. <laughs> went, oh. oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh. oh, sorry. Glad you fell at home, Bill.
0: I'm gonna wash my balls
1: <laughs> I don't have a digestive system, but I just threw up.